Greetings, Stay Frosty Parkrunners, and welcome to the 21st edition of the Stay Frosty Parkrun podcast. This week, I'm going to be looking at barefoot running, along with reviewing my featured parkrun of the week, announcing my star parkrunner, and letting you all know how we got on with our parkruns this week. Plus, I'll be giving a shout-out to any parkruns with upcoming anniversaries. To start this week, I've chosen to look at barefoot running. This is, I must admit, after finishing a good read I had for Christmas called Born to Run. I know I'm a little behind the times here, but having only just properly got back into running in the last 12 months or so, I decided to look for motivational reads to spur me on, and Born to Run certainly is that. I started reading, enjoying the story, realised that it's actually based on fact, and enjoyed it even more, all the way up to chapter 25, where I actually had to put the book down halfway through the chapter and rearrange my podcast schedule in order to squeeze in this barefoot running topic. The book lures you in wonderfully with a true story about a tribe of natural-born runners and an epic long-distance race, which certainly makes you reconsider all the running shoes you've ever bought and doubt all the information you've ever received about over- or under-pronation on the foot, and then you reach chapter 25. I'm sure at this point a fair few runners may have been shouting with joy at the book which had magically solved the conundrum of their repetitive hip, knee or foot injuries. Personally, I suddenly felt like I was being drawn into a cult by something which had seemed friendly and unassuming and innocent to start with, and now the curtain had been peeled back to reveal a group of people with glazed eyes all unlacing their shoes and gently chanting in unison, Join us. It started to creep me out. Everything in chapter 25 about the benefits of barefoot running is stated plainly as if it's absolute fact. The end. No wiggle room for anyone who might not benefit from becoming a barefoot runner. This annoyed me to the point that I felt compelled to write this podcast to try and give a fair and unbiased view about barefoot running. It's not something that I've attempted before because I'll be the first to acknowledge that I know very little about it. To resolve this, I've looked up articles about barefoot running, and I am checking references where stated as I, as I go along. I'm a bit of a scientist at heart, and I like to be able to see some research to back up claims and statements which are masquerading as fact. I will, of course, as always, include articles I've looked at on my Facebook page so that you can also do your own research into the subject and check any references where you feel the need. I've personally never tried barefoot running before, but would certainly be willing to give it a go to see if it suits me or not. I love the romantic notion of being able to kick off your shoes wherever you are and just go for a jog, whether it's 5 kilometres, 10 kilometres or even further. It embodies one of the things I love most about running, and that's the freedom of it. The reality, of course, is not quite as simple as that. If you've spent years running in shoes, the chances are that your feet and your body will have adapted to run in shoes. For the same reason you need to be careful when you switch running shoe style, usually by starting a few shorter runs in your new shoes before trying longer ones, you also need to be careful when you're going from a cushioned running shoe down to barefoot, or effectively no cushioning at all. By going out for short, very easy jogs in bare feet, ideally on solid surfaces which don't have sharp stones or broken glass on them, you'll begin to strengthen the muscles in your feet which is essential as they will have weakened after so long being supported by shoes. You can start barefoot running by doing a few minutes at the end of your regular run in bare feet and then increase the number of minutes you barefoot run as your feet adapt. In addition, there are shoes you can buy with progressively less cushioning in order to work your way down to running without any cushioning at all. The pair mentioned most frequently in Born to Run and in some articles that I've read is the Vibram Five Fingers, the ones that look like gloves with each toe individually enclosed. 
There are, of course, many other brands available, with some individual, t- some with individual toes, and some more regular-looking shoes or sandals with very little to no cushioning. However, some sites recommend starting completely barefoot, as your running will progress much more quickly than if you're running in a shoe with or without cushioning. Now that's covered a few things for those thinking of getting into barefoot running, I'm going to look at the much more difficult question, which is, should we be barefoot running? Apparently, the popularity of barefoot running was waning until about 2001, when Michael Warburton published a paper stating that the additional weight of shoes was likely to make a runner less efficient. But the most useful article that I personally found to help with this topic was written by Paul Ingraham and listed on Facebook with my other references. It carefully dissects the assumption that natural or barefoot running is better for all of us because we are doing it for a long time before we, before we created shoes to run in. I also found this article slightly more reliable as he provides links to all his references where used. Christopher McDougall's book often refers to retrospective studies which are done by Lieberman. And in 2004, Bramble and Lieberman did conclude that we evolved, we evolved to be endurance runners, which in their words has been instrumental in the evolution of the human body form. This was followed up by a paper by Bramble and Lieberman again in 2007, where they elaborate on the idea of persistence hunting, which helped our ancestors to compete with other carnivores. Persistence hunting, in summary, is running behind your intended prey until it tires and you can then kill it as opposed to trying to outsprint it to catch it. In 2009, Born to Run was published, became a massive hit and encouraged people to try barefoot running as a more natural alternative to running in shoes. In spring 2012, Lieberman concludes in a paper that there is no way to know yet if natural running prevents injuries or not, but people paid much more attention to his publication in the summer of 2012, in which he states that rear-foot strike when running results in more injury than forefoot strikes. And because forefoot strike is linked with barefoot running, the conclusion is that the method of running, this method of running in bare feet will reduce the number of injuries you have as a runner. Now the issue here, as explained by Paul Ingraham in his article, is that all of these studies are retrospective. In other words, Lieberman has a theory that running barefoot might be better for us. Then he looks back through the history of runners, and after seeing that even with all the advances in running footwear, injury rates don't decrease, and some runners who run barefoot don't have as high an injury rate, he concludes that it must be better to run without shoes. Unfortunately, he doesn't take into account anything else which may have affected the injury rates of these runners. Firstly, professional runners wearing shoes strike the ground in various ways, so forefoot, heel or something in between. So to conclude that running with a forefoot strike results in less injury is premature unless you can carry out a prospective study, i.e. decide what you're looking at before you start the study, and this makes sure this study is randomised to the extent that it won't, there won't be any bias or confounding factors. And it wasn't until 2016 that a prospective study was actually done to compare barefoot runners with shod runners. The study by Altman and Davis was carried out to compare the incidence, incidence rate of injuries between the two different types of runners. 201 adult runners, 107 barefoot and 94 shod, were surveyed over the course of a year. In figures, the barefoot group sustained fewer injuries. However, the barefoot group ran significantly fewer miles than the running shoe group. The rate or injury per runner, i.e. how many injuries per mile, was very similar for both groups. The study was therefore found to be inconclusive and further study required. Then another smaller study conducted by Fuller et al. in 
2017 looked at the comparison of runners in regular shoes and runners who were progressed into minimalist shoes over a period of 26 weeks. 16 of the runners in minimalist shoes got injured compared to 11 in the regular shoes. The conclusion from this study is that the number of miles running barefoot should be limited in order to prevent injury, but again this was only a very small study. Although I agree with Ingraham's dissection of the original Lieberman studies, the overall impression I got from his article is that he is not generally in favour of recommending barefoot running as a way to limit or alleviate injuries. I would personally summarise by saying that barefoot running, even though it's been popular for nearly a decade, cannot definitely be linked with fewer injuries until more studies have been done. For every additional study, the evidence will mount one way or the other, or, as I suspect may be the case, the results will end up about 50-50. By this, I mean that some people will find barefoot running means that they get less injured, while some people may find that they get injured more running without shoes. If you, like the author of Born to Run, find that you are repeatedly getting injured and changing your shoes doesn't seem to help, it might be worth trying something like barefoot running to see if it helps you. But like all these things, you need to give it time and make sure you change over slowly in order to allow your feet and your body to adapt. If it doesn't work for you, there's nothing to stop you going back to running with shoes. I would, however, be hesitant to run out and buy an expensive pair of barefoot running shoes as it's not a method which works out for everybody and, as mentioned previously, some barefoot runners actually recommend going straight to bare feet for smaller amounts of time even as even minimalist shoes aren't the same as running barefoot. Another amusingly scathing article from 2013 puts forward some counter-arguments to what you might hear from some of the more orthodox barefoot runners. It reiterates the point that you cannot cover as many miles if you go barefoot due to the additional stress on the joints, which, by the way, is not yet conclusively proven either, and, I would imagine, simply due to the wear and tear on the soles of your feet. Yes, another article from 2018, there are lots of opinions on barefoot running, most of which seem pretty polarised, reminds us that there is much more to running than simply short jaunts. In response to testimonials from Barefoot Ted or Barefoot Ken Bob, Jason Fitzgerald in this article asks, Where is Long Run Ted, Gym Workout Deborah, and Consistency Steve, as they are, as distance, strength work and consistency are all equally important for any runner. He also raises the point that if you spend all day in constricting shoes for work, etc., and you don't ever walk around barefoot at home and, and or you rarely wear sandals or flip-flops, then you could be at higher risk of injury when running barefoot and should be very careful when trying it. Overall, it's not difficult to find information both strongly for and strongly against the idea of barefoot running, but any prospective scientific studies relating to barefoot running have so far proven to be fairly inconclusive. Generally, people don't like inconclusive answers, which is probably why the topic has become so polarised, but until further unbiased experiments are carried out, it will be very difficult to conclude if barefoot running is overall beneficial or detrimental to your physical fitness. I've been lucky enough to be in touch with a veteran of the park run world, well over his 250 t-shirt now, David Moss from Australia, who likes to run barefoot as often as possible. He said he's been running barefoot since he was a child and didn't require a period of time in order to adjust to running without shoes. He now runs in shoes if the surface involves a lot of sharp gravel with a rough trail or for distances over 10 kilometres. The heat has never been an issue and the coldest temperature he ran in was ran in barefoot sorry, was minus 4 degrees centigrade but he said his t- toes did go numb on this run. 
He's found one of the issues with barefoot running is that the sole of your foot is far more slippery than a shoe, especially when you're on wet grass or something like wooden boardwalks. Even with over 250 park runs, the only injuries he's sustained has been a bruised heel when he accidentally stepped on a golf ball and stepping on casuarina nuts. He's never had an issue with needles, glass or broken glass or nails, but he does keep an eye out whilst he's running. David feels that barefoot running has an advantage on beaches and very wet courses. Other runners quite often don't want to get their expensive footwear wet. He doesn't have toughened skins on the soles of his feet or any calluses from running barefoot, and he feels the method works very well for him, but he knows that it might not be for everyone. Thank you very much, David, for sharing your thoughts on barefoot running. In terms of how reading Born to Run and the research I've done has influenced me, I've found that I'm making the effort to walk around the home a bit more in socks. It might seem like an odd connection, but the idea that always having a cushioned sole might mean that you lose some of the strength in your feet sort of resonated with me. It might also mean that you're stepping a little heavier than you would if you were barefoot or just in socks, like I say. A few years ago, I spent a long time walking around in my old flip-flops, and I only gave them up when the weather got too cold. Last year I tried wearing them again, but I found that I wasn't comfortable in them anymore. So as my own personal test, I'm trying to strengthen my feet before we get back into flip-flop wearing weather to see if there's any noticeable difference. As for barefoot running, well, you can colour me intrigued. It might be something that I have a go at, most likely in minimalist sandals or shoes, but probably not something I'll take up as my main method of running. Additionally, there is an argument to say that you could wear your running shoes past the point where the cushioning, in theory, will have ceased to be effective, because as the cushioning deteriorates, your feet will actually adapt to the change, thereby getting more mile out of your favourite running shoes, and saving a little bit of money into the into the bargain as well. I'm sure barefoot running will continue to be a contentious subject for many years to come, but I'd love to hear your opinions on the topic if you have any. You can get in touch by emailing stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com, or by dropping me a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. And now, it gives me great pleasure to introduce... A trio of star park runners this week. I wanted to pick on some first-timers at South Norwood Park Run, so I've nominated Ellie Bonner, Reuben Cole and Natalie Turner as my star park runners for this week. These weren't the only new park runners at South Norwood today, but I picked these guys out at random to celebrate their joining the park run family. So I'd like to say well done to Ellie Bonner, who completed South Norwood Park Run in 30 minutes and 22 seconds. Well done to Reuben Cole, who completed it in 31 minutes and 56 seconds. And well done to Natalie Turner for completing the full 5k in 58 minutes and 55 seconds. I hope that all of you will be back next week to enjoy another park run instalment. If you know someone who's doing their first park run, someone who's got a new PB, or a fantastic volunteer who deserves a mention in my Star Park Runner segment, simply drop me a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page, or send me an email to stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com, and they could be popping up in my next podcast next week. This week, my featured park run of the week is Bexley Park Run, which Jay and I did as part two of our New Year's Day double. Bexley Park Run is a rather nice two-lapper around a boating pool, which is located on bus routes 89, 96, 486 and B16 from the Bexley Heath direction. You need to hop off the bus at the Crook Log Leisure Centre and then walk about three quarters of a mile to the start. 
From the other direction you can also catch the same buses, but there you need to jump off Welling High Street opposite the Tesco. This is again about three quarters of a mile walk to the start. The surfaces are mainly tarmac paths, but these are interspersed with woodland track and a gravel path. I would describe this park run as moderately hilly, with the most uphill sections in the earlier portion of each lap and a nice downhill and flat bit at the end. There are bathrooms here, but they're located on the far side of the boating pool, so you need to leave enough time to get there and back to the start again, before 9am. The volunteer numbers recently have ranged from about 16 to 26, and runner numbers have been between 400 and 600, with over 600 people attending so far in January. The largest of these was the run we attended on New Year's Day, with 618 runners. So far, there have been 365 park runs here, making the start date the 4th of February 2012. Jay and I enjoyed this scenic park run and would happily go back for another try without the preceding park run to see if we can up our times a little bit. There were a couple of points on the course where there was a bit of a bottleneck, but by the time you're on the second lap, people have spread out enough that this is no longer an issue, even with 618 runners as there were on New Year's Day. Yes, it's time once again to announce some upcoming special parkrun events. So, celebrating their first anniversary soon is Letchworth Parkrun, who started up on the 27th of January in 2018. It's second anniversaries for both Bestwood Village and Phoenix Parkrun, who started up on the 28th of January in 2017. Tooting Common and Mount Edgecombe Parkrun are celebrating their third anniversaries, having started up on the 30th of January in 2016. With an upcoming 5th anniversary is Warrington Park Run, who started on the 25th of January in 2014. And Walthamstow will soon be celebrating their 6th anniversary, after starting on the 26th of January in 2013. It's a 7th anniversary for Eastbourne Park Run, who started on the 28th of January in 2012. And an impressive 9th anniversary for Cambridge Park Run, who started back in 2010 on the 30th of January. Congratulations and happy birthday to all these park runs. If you have a special event coming up at your local park run and you'd like a shout out, just drop me a message on the Facebook page or send an email to stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com and I'll be happy to include your event in next week's podcast. And finally, for this week, it's on to our park runs. So it was a chilly morning this morning with a little frost here and there on the ground, certainly a day to double up on t-shirts and for Jay and I to wear long sleeves. My sister Nikki attended her home park run in Barking and once again was the first female finisher in a fantastic time of 23 minutes and 40 seconds. She placed 28th out of a field of 140 park runners today, with the quickest runner completing it in a time of 17 minutes and 58 seconds. Jay and I went to our home park run of South Norwood, along with 138 other park runners, making the total for today 140. I was impressed with the turnout given the low temperatures, but luckily it wasn't too breezy or so cold that it affected your breathing whilst on the run. 
Jay, who's had a bit of a tweak in one of his calves, zipped round in a PB time of 27 minutes and 40 seconds with his usual, almost trademark, quick finish. And I managed to control my run all the way round today, which felt really good. My finishing time was 26 minutes and 26 seconds, and I even had enough energy left to have a little battle with another runner, Trojan Gordon. We both crossed the line at exactly the same time, but he was kind enough to let me take the token in front of him. Overall, it was a thoroughly enjoyable run, as I felt I was able to keep my speed fairly consistent all the way around and achieve a new PB. This might replace my 27 minute 30 second run also at Norwood as my new favourite park run. And that, once again, wraps things up for this week. Next week, I'm going to be looking at the Parkrun Milestone t-shirts and other incentives which keep you all going back for more each weekend. Thank you all very much for listening. I hope you've all had brilliant park runs, and I hope you all have an absolutely fantastic week. Stay frosty, park runners, and I'll see you all again next week. Yeah.